Hello to all my Lucha Libre fans. It's beautiful anonymous. One hour, one phone call, no names, no holds barred. I'd rather go one-on-one I think it'll be more fun And I'll get to know you And you'll get to know me Hi everybody, Chris Gethard here. First thing I'm going to say about the call you're about to hear is that it is unbelievable that this caller is 18 years old. When you hear about not just the life experience this, this caller's already had and packed into less than two decades, but the way that the way that the caller's able to just break it down so eloquently, gracefully, casually. I'm like, I'm how how are you this young and how have you done so much and seen so much and dealt with so much and, and are able to just put it out there. This call, I, I'm I I I learned so first of all, our, so much to think about, so much to talk about. Our caller uh, was born in the United States to a mixed family, trying to figure out how to stay in touch with their Mexican roots, uh, while also feeling like they are more embraced by the non-Mexican half of their family. We talk about soda. We talk about wrestling, things things that I shoehorned in there because I love them. But also, they fit into a really, really cool look at certain aspects of Mexican culture and how the caller's trying to get in touch with it. And I found it, fascinating. This pushed all the nerdy buttons I have of when I find out about different subcultures and I want to know as much as I can about them. This caller was able to fill me in on the world of uh, Mexican folk medicine, which I never knew about, but that sounds so interesting. Enjoy the call. Thank you for calling Beautiful Anonymous. A beeping noise will indicate when you are on the show with the host. Hello? Hello. Wow, you have the most crystal clear audio connection I've ever heard. Oh my God, really? I I actually really tried. That's great. (laughs) Yeah, I didn't even know someone was on the line. Anita had to text me and say, hey, they're they're on the line. Yeah. (laughs) I thought there was some some sounds, but I thought I might just be imagining it. (laughs) No, I was waiting for that call to get patched through. I mean, it's here when you don't speak... Not only is there no sound like of any sort, but you weren't even breathing. Yeah, just stop speaking for a moment. I want to experience this beautiful void. I mean, come on. That's, how, was, how was that for you? Was I that mean, great that, for you? <laughs> I'll tell you who it was really great for, Jared O'Connell. I, I feel like you uh. just sent him to his Shangri-La of perfect audio room tone, so to speak. Is that well, room? No, you know the what? opposite of room awesome. tone? You nailed it. You nailed it. Great. I tried. I mean, I, I actually had someone call me and I walked around my house to figure out where the best sound was. Thank you. That's a level You're of welcome. a level of dedication that is truly appreciated on my end. Now, how are you? How's things? <laughs> I I am actually really great. You know, I, I was thinking about it, but no, I'm doing really great. And I think it's because I like meeting new people. So Did- yeah, I'm doing awesome. Because you like meeting new people? Yeah. Because this year is not one where we've all been out meeting too many <laughs> new people. So. Exactly. I think that's why I'm doing well right now. Uh, okay. So, so what, you said yeah, you I don't, don't like I'm... meeting new people? I, I do. You I do, do like meeting new people, which is why I'm doing well right now in this moment, meeting a new person Got like yourself. Got it. You were referring there to me go. the whole time. I was. Yeah, I've heard of the person I'm talking to who I just met. Understood. <laughs> How are you doing? <laughs> How am I doing? I'm good. I'm uh, a little tired. My son is teething. So the past two nights, nah. there's been a bunch of wake-ups, but that's okay. He's the best. He's a funny, sweet boy, and I love him. So I'll deal with it. But yeah, I'm a little, a little pooped. Oh, that's so sweet. That's okay. How old is he? 19 months old. Oh, Wow. Yeah. Wow. I have a, a I have a baby sister right now, which is just weird. Um, but she is, I think, four four months old now. Four and months. It's, uh pretty insane. Yeah. How old are you? I'm eighteen. Wow, your parents really 
they yeah they they scatter shot yeah do you have any siblings <laughs> in between um okay so i have a step my parents are divorced i have a stepbrother um who's four years younger than me a half brother who is 11 years younger than me um and then the the aforementioned four month old who's wow. awesome and super cool wow yeah a weird family. That's not the only weird part of my family. I have a pretty weird family. Well, I'm listening. I, I guess you are. Um, yeah, I mean, so my dad's, my dad's like Mexican Catholic, right? Mm -hmm. um, and I, and, and my mom grew up, this is going to identify me so quickly to anyone who knows me, but my mom grew up in, in a, lesbian hippie commune in Hawaii mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and <laughs> so it's pretty opposite backgrounds you know um so it it's no no surprise that they split up to literally anyone um but yeah they um Whoa, well, I didn't I haven't talked about my family in a while, sorry. Um That's okay. Yeah, it's 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 weird and they're weird. Um, well, I have one question. Can I ask one obvious question? Yes. Which is that you've mentioned that you have a dad and a mom. You also mentioned that your mom mm -hmm. grew up on a lesbian hippie commune. I assume your mom was sure. just raised there yep. because um more often than not she's by. She's bi. Okay. Yeah. There you, that, that was the logistical. Was just, yeah. Yes. Okay. <laughs> no, but she, she was raised there by her mom, right? So she they left when she was um pretty young still. And um yeah, but you know, they're 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 cool now. They it's 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 complicated <laughs> with with my life and, and who I have been and but yeah, like like they wouldn't be in the same room for a very long time, really. Basically, I mean, I like my dad didn't even really visit me after I had like surgery a while ago because I was at my mom's house. So, oh, that stinks. Yeah, uh, it does stink. But you know what? I am <laughs> I'm I'm fine with it at this point because it's been you know my whole my whole situation. So I'm not complaining. All right. Now, anyways. Your dad, <laughs> your dad is Mexican Catholic. My, yes. my impression as a lapsed Irish Catholic has always been that uh, Mexican Catholicism is one of the most dedicated groups of Catholics left in the world. It's just the sense <laughs> oh I've gotten. Oh my God. Philippine Catholics, yes. Mexican Catholics, those are the ones that jump out as very, very devout. Most people who are devout Catholics sometimes have a problem with the lifestyle of someone who might grow up on a lesbian commune. Therein lies the issue, my friend. Yeah. <laughs> Deductive reasoning over um, here. Check out the big brain. Uh -huh. Chris. Yeah. Look at that. Um, yeah, no, I mean that that's, I'm pretty sure why they split up and also why I am the way that I am is, is that I grew up with my mom telling me one thing, right. And, and my dad telling me another thing. And for, from a, like from a really young age, right. These are values, right. Like my dad's telling me that one thing is absolutely wrong. And my mom's telling me the opposite. Right. So I, I have to figure out what that means and, and what is right. Um, so I grew up pretty fast because of that, I think. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it's also just been hard because as you alluded to, you know, Catholics are kind of, or tend to be, well, cast aspersions, um, a little bit more strict with the um, lesbian hippie communes of the world. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm also by a take after my mom and trans also. So that was always fun. But it was definitely not okay with my family and it was really tough. And it meant that I kind of tend to, or tended to veer towards my white family 
instead of my Mexican family. And it, it meant I sort of grew up in like this weird racial vacuum, you know, of, of not really feeling like I fit in with Americans and not feeling like I fit, uh, fit in with Mexicans or my Mexican family. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, I think it's weird for anyone growing up mixed, and I know a lot of a lot of uh, Mexican American or Chicano people grow up with with some level of who am I, you know, and and what does it mean to be Chicano or whatever. But I um, I have a little bit I, I I like to say that there's sort of just an extra wrinkle of the fact that my Mom's family largely accepted me, and my dad's family largely didn't. Yeah, that's uh, that. That'll make your that'll give you a lot to unwrap. <laughs> that'll give you a lot to unwrap for sure. Yeah, I think I just talked for like a minute straight, so you can tell this like. No, I love a it. A lot to unwrap. I love it because it is so. What a. What a circum what a unique circumstance. And I bet it's I bet there are other people who wind up in similar circumstances, but but the type of specificity that I don't often think about where you go, Well, I'm realizing I'm bi, I'm trans, that makes me gravitate towards the accepting side of my family, but I don't necessarily look like them and I feel mm -hmm. like I'm walking between worlds. That's uh so, so it's I, I hate to say it and I, I'm sure you've thought about it I hope this doesn't come off like a joke because it's it's true but it's like there's you're kind of the Venn diagram for a lot of modern <laughs> cultural and societal discussions you you kind of are the Venn diagram of a few big ones all in one place right? I've never heard it said quite like that but yes and that's awesome. Yeah, I am the Venn diagram, and I, I guess I can have some Venn diagram pride, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't think people think very much about how these things overlap. You know, like it's always you are one thing, like either you're having a racial identity crisis or you're having a gender identity crisis or you're having a sexual identity crisis, right. you know? Um, or in my case, I even kind of have like an age identity crisis because I went through a lot growing up. And it made me grow up really fast. And now I don't fit in with people my age. So like, it's, yeah, people don't really think it's like a comorbidity, you know, like that there's just these things that interact with one another and, and compound. And, um, but yeah, I mean, like you were saying about how, um, oh, geez, what was I saying? Look, uh, you're, you're saying about how, I guess, it it made me sort of lean towards the the white side of my family, even though I don't really look like them or, I mean, they're all, you know, white, but yeah, it's also, <laughs> I mean, the, the way that recently I've been sort of dealing with that is, is getting really into different aspects of Mexican culture that I feel like I can vibe with, you know, um, which is, and and figuring out a large part of it was figuring out that I identify as like Chicano, right, instead of Mexican, which is and which is pretty cool. Yeah, pardon my ignorance, but explain mm -hmm. the delineation to me because I am an ignorant forty-year-old white man, and I have something to learn right now. Man, I was fully ignorant until like a few months ago. So you're totally good, um, but. Yeah, it's basically, people define it differently, you know, but the way that I kind of tend to define it is that it is, it, it's more the experience, not the actual, not where you're from necessarily, you know, but basically my dad was, my dad immigrated to the U.S. when he was 18. Um, and so I've lived here my whole life, you know. Um, and so basically for me being Chicano is like, it is that liminal space you were talking about. You know, it is the walking between worlds. It's like, I am not Mexican, you know, I'm not American, but I have both of those aspects, you know? And, and so I, that is, I guess who I am, right? Like there is, 
I, it doesn't have to be like a void. I think that's, that's how I sort of started to think about it was that there's not like a void. I'm not neither of these things. I'm this other thing, which means I have Mexican ancestral heritage, right? But I grew up in the U.S., which is a totally different experience from growing up Mexican, right? That's that's kind of the difference. And I know that was a long-winded way of answering it, um, but that's how I think about it. I understand now. Thank you for <laughs> explaining it so clearly. <laughs> and can I ask, did you grow up in Southern California? Could you tell? Well, <laughs> sort of, yeah, Bay Area. Well, it... The reason I ask actually is because as you say that it's, it's just really, it's one of those things that we don't think about enough, which is that when you, when you think about the idea between a border, the idea of a border, Mm -hmm. right now, some borders are big mountain ranges or, you know, rivers and whatnot, but sometimes you can just Mm -hmm. walk over a little bridge from San Diego into Tijuana and yeah. When you were describing, you know, your, your, um, you know, personal definition of the Chicano experience, I'm sitting here and I'm going, right, when you say you don't, you were born in America, so you don't feel Mexican, but you, and, and vice versa. And then, it, but it makes you realize, man, if we removed the idea of a border, what you have is a culture of people that don't have to think about that. Because that's an invisible yeah, line that we made up. And then when you think about the fact that someone in San Diego who might be of mixed heritage has to worry about, am I Mexican or American? And then I'm in New Jersey and I'm 3,000 miles away and we're all figuring out how we connect. We go, oh, maybe this is this is all just kind of lines on maps that we made up. And it's sort I'm 100% of, with right you. it's a, it's a dividing thing that's kind of arbitrary because if you just look at how people live and relate and the food that they eat and the types of industries that they traditionally worked in it doesn't it doesn't really matter where we drew the it invisible line yeah. you know it's people man there is a book um, La Frontera or Borderlands by Gloria Anseldua, which every Chicano reads at some point and has an identity crisis, um, is what I've gathered. <laughs> but I read it recently and there's the first like few pages is about literally what you're saying. You know, it's it's about the fact that the border is this fake thing that divides families and, and divides people who all actually have the same heritage, you know, or or inherently intermingled heritage. Um, There's this one line that, that just always, like, I'll always remember it. Right. Which is, um, and I, I'm sorry if I, if I quote this incorrectly, but it's, it's, uh, the border is una herida abierta, which means an open wound where the, third world scrapes against the first and bleeds. And that's my favorite line like ever. Damn. It's so good. Damn. Um, But (laughs) the third world scrapes against the first and bleeds. I know. Wow. Yeah. Anyways, that's, yeah. I mean, that's the thing with borders, you know, is that, I, and it all just comes down, you know what, everything always comes down to capitalism for me, you know, and, and colonialism in a lot of ways. And I feel like I'm just kind of a broken record of, of this stuff. But like, I work in um, a big city, right? Um, and it is unique in that it it's the only pl- I haven't traveled much but it's the place in my life where I have most seen the entire range of of capitalism you know um I work in in a pretty um low income area of that city and so I see a lot of pain you know and a lot of uh, poverty and then you know I don't live in the city so so when I'm leaving I'm driving past all these like giant storefronts and, and 
huge, <laughs> just like just huge displays right now, like of Christmas, right? Like huge Christmas displays and stuff. And it's like, oh man, <laughs> it's like, it's two sides of the same coin, you know? And, and, and more than anything, it's just that you realize that the damage that is being caused is, is just irreparable and all in this one city. And it's like within a few blocks. Um, and then you start to think about waste, you know, like, like trash, that sort of thing. That's new. That's a Western idea, trash. You learn about like the, the, the still alive tribal cultures. Right. And, and it's all about giving back and it's all about that sort of stuff. And it's like, just like you're saying that borders are these invisible lines we drew on a map. I mean, so is everything, right? We decided that, that these people should have things and these people shouldn't. Um, and you can see it everywhere you go. So my commute's fun is, is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> and I would imagine too, when you're talking about third world roots, third world scraping as the first world, it only, it only, right? Like, Mm-hmm. That's the thing. That's the thing that drives me nuts. And look, I'm not gonna lie. I had a little bit of a hot streak in the entertainment industry. I did all right for myself for a few years. Now I got to figure out how to make it last, right? Like that's figure out uh-huh. how to just get because I don't know if I'll ever make money. So capitalism is done right by me. I'm also a white guy married to a lady, so I know I got the advantages. But that's the thing. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm hugely benefited by capitalism too. I mean, I have a job, I have a house, you know, and that's the thing, that's the world we live in is because of it, right? But when it gets unchecked and when we remove any sense of ethics from it, any sense of we have to take care of each other from it, you sit here and you go, because the other thing Mm -hmm. too, okay, because like you said, like you said, They've just, it's kind of been decided. Some people have something and some people, some people have a lot and some people have nothing. And I keep thinking about that too, where I'm like, man, the more they can convince us that, that the North and the South hate each other and the coasts are different and the middle of the country shouldn't trust either coast and, and that this and that, the more that that's, the more that they manage to convince us those are the dividing lines the less we pay attention to, well, the one really big dividing line is some of you own billion dollar corporations and can't even give the rest (laughs) of us health insurance. And then you won't let us pass laws to get health insurance. That's the real dividing line, right? That's like the old George Carlin line. I'm going to butcher it. And he's really brilliant, but he had, he had that famous routine where he had the line, he goes, uh, the, what is it? The upper class exists to make all the, to, the upper class exists to take all the wealth. The middle class exists to generate all the wealth. And the lower class exists to scare the shit out of the middle class. It's a big game <laughs> and you're not part of it. And I was just like, ooh, ooh, there you go. They, they make some people oh, poor man. to scare the workers into thinking they got to hang on to it. And meanwhile, Jeff you Bezos makes going. $13 billion in a day and his workers can't unionize. It drives me nuts. Anyway, yeah, man. You say you've been getting back in touch with your Mexican culture as you, as yeah. you sort all this stuff out. What exactly does that mean? When we get back, we're going to hear about many aspects of how our callers getting in touch with Mexican culture that are very unique and very cool. We'll be right back. Breaks over, everybody. Buckle up. We're getting back to the phone call. You say you've been getting back in touch with your Mexican culture as you, as yeah. you sort all this stuff out. What exactly does that mean? Um, well, so I mentioned that my family's like Catholic, right? So, so for me growing up, that was the defining difference between me and them, right? Is I, I, mm-hmm. I'm not Catholic. And I... I mean, growing up, you know, trans and also but even before that, I was always just kind of weird. Right. And there's this big sort of conformity culture, at least within my family. Um, and so I like for me, I dreaded, you know, in a lot of ways, visiting my family because of that. And, and it meant, you know, like I said, that 
I got really detached from it. But I, I've recently been discovering that there are parts of Mexican culture that's like really beautiful and that I can jive with. And, and honestly, like the thing that has really captured my attention is, uh, I guess, the practice and ideology of curanderismo, which is Mexican folk medicine. I've been getting like just super deep in researching it and, and sort of learning about it and learning about its roots. And it's, um, it's super interesting. Talk to me about this because I've never heard of Corinderismo. Did I say that right? Right. Yeah, you did. Corinderismo. Okay. <laughs> so um, it's so basically the word comes from the word cura, which is cure or healing, right? And also priest, um, which do with that what you will. But um, basically, the idea is it's it's sort of a holistic i guess i guess like elevator pitch right it's like a holistic sort of way of treating people and illnesses and it's what i really love about it right is it has indigenous roots it has pre-hispanic roots um and then it's also changed as the people have changed right the word curandero didn't start until after um, colonizers came right and and the practice has been shaped through that as well right like there there are catholic um influences i guess and and european influences too like the herbs that are used like there's like they use rosemary which was brought over with with the spanish and stuff um and so it's just this beautiful little mishmash of of medicine and of of treating and of and of sort of just this ideology of how you should treat yourself and how you should treat other people that is like every Chicano person mixed, you know. So it's it for me. I think that's why it really hit me was that here is this thing. It's not European. It's not fully indigenous which i'm not and i know other people are but i'm not and so that is my medicine right that is my ideology then right that's that is something that i can connect to not just through learning but through history it's sort of like um, the folk medicine venn diagram crossover uh-huh can i ask yeah this is just yeah this is just what this is just a lot of Venn diagrams. So many Venn. You are just, it's just Venn diagram after Venn diagram with you. Now, <laughs> I got to ask, uh, and I'm, I might be wrong or it mm -hmm. might be something you're unfamiliar with. I once, I'm a big nerd about soda. Let's get that out of the way. I love soda. I collect sodas, regional bottle sodas. I'm a nerd about it. It's a thing. It, uh -huh. it is. Now, I once read a really amazing article that I believe there are sort of Mexican folk medicines mm -hmm. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that will use Coca-Cola. Correct. And, correct. And then I was reading that Coke <laughs> has kind of picked up on this and Pepsi has picked up on this and they will send like corporate salespeople <laughs> in to go, hey, actually you should be using Pepsi because they sell so much Coca-Cola in certain oh my villages God. that Pepsi's going, I can if, tell we can, you. if we can get Pepsi to be the folk medicine soda, we can <laughs> Steal. This is talk to me about this because you want to talk about my Venn correct. diagram and your Venn diagram. My soda that, obsession. Our Venn diagram is Coke, man. Our, That's yes, it. Where you love <laughs> corenderismo and I love soda. Talk to me about the presence of soda in Mexican okay, folk medicine. I totally will. And the thing is that okay, oh, so awesome. I am at <laughs> I'm at the beginning of my corenderismo journey. You know, I I am in the discovery phase, basically. Um, but basically, I think what like most like Chicano people know about it going in, and that's actually kind of how I discovered that I wanted to learn about it more, was that I was um, uh, basically, I was thinking about my grandma, right? And she used to do all these weird things to me when I was sick, right? And I, when whenever whenever I was around her and whenever I admitted to being sick, which I rarely did because I knew she was going to do something weird to me. Um, basically. So, so the soda fits in whenever I 
like had a sore throat or a stomach ache, she would get Coke, she would squeeze lime juice in it, put a little bit of honey, mix it all together, and then I drank it. That sounds so good. I would drink that. It was really, it's really good. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, and, and I think that that's sort of the same thing, right? Where it's that as this medicine develops with the people, right? People really like, really like Coke, man. And it feels good and it tastes good. And it like, it, it feeds sort of your soul in a way. Right. And that's the idea too, is that like you, when you feed the mind or the body or the spirit, you're feeding everything. Right. So I, I, I may be talking out of my ass here, but that's sort of the vibe that I get from the Coke thing. Um, at least for me and my family, right. Is that, it's just, it's, it's, it's something that's readily available too. And that's part of curanderismo is it's supposed to be, a lot of it is the belief, you know, and then with that, you can use whatever is kind of around. There was this really, really famous curandero. I think his name is Pedro or Don Pedro, I think. Um, and he, he used dirt famously a lot he would prescribe people cures, right? And, and stuff that was stuff that they could get their hands on really easily. Um, and because he did truly believe that it was more the belief in the cure than the cure itself, right? And so maybe that's it. Maybe it's that there's a lot of Coke. Coke is something that's readily available and it's culturally significant, right? So why not use it in medicine? Wow. Which kind of brings it back to that old, right? Soda in like the 20s and 30s, it would be like, drink our healing elixir. It's good for the brain. It'll, I know. Yeah. Heal your, heal your rheumatism, like all these medical claims. And the, now and was, in the um, States, course, you're not allowed to say that. Anymore. Cocaine, but whatever. Oh, yes. A lot of cocaine and Coca Cola. And also just a lot of cocaine. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's kind of debate. Listen, I've read, if you read, oh, God. <laughs> I'm about to just sound like <laughs> such a nerd, but I've I've read a book that's the entire history of Coca-Cola, and you can argue that it's ac- it actually mirrors. It's the history of Coke is kind of a constant predictor of American history. That it's been tied into it. the drug war. It's been tied into race relations in ways we don't realize. That there's actually congressional investigations into shutting it down because it was so embraced by the black community in its early days, and it was like. It's just all oh, Coke is not just. That's interesting. That's really yeah. interesting. Ca- talking about capitalism, their obsession with advertising and handing oh, out God. free uh, posters and ads. It's just all, all of it. Coke is the American product. Anyway, we're not talking about that. We're talking about how it mixes with Mexican tradition to come up with a <laughs> folk healing process that you are growing increasingly into. Now, are you researching the history of this? Or is this also something that you that you're practicing? Going, this is this is traditional right. medicine, and it does have validity. And I'm enjoying sorting that out. I think both a little bit, mm-hmm. right? I mean, mm-hmm. I grew up with traditional allopathic or with modern allopathic medicine, right? I mean, I grew up with with a pretty atheist family, um. So you know, we we weren't super big or on, on my mom's side, right. Which is the, the influential one in that way. Um, religiously at least. Um, so yeah, I mean, I didn't really, I I didn't really believe in a lot of the stuff, which is why, I mean, earlier I said, you know, I, I would basically just be like, all right, grandma, you know, yeah, you can rub an egg on me or whatever, which is a thing. That's the, a thing. They rub, yeah. Rub an egg on you. It gets out all your negative energy and vibes. Wait, like an egg white um, or an uncracked egg? No, just an egg. Uncracked egg. Just an egg. So your grandma would rub an egg on you? Yes, she would. And there's a lot of listeners <laughs> right now. I'm sitting here sounding so confused. There's a lot of listeners. <laughs> you're telling me that any any listener who grew up in a modern Mexican yeah. or Mexican-American home, large Likely, percentage yeah. chest, they're going, the egg thing. Yeah. The egg thing. <laughs> And that's kind of what I, that's actually how I came to it, you know, is that like, I just remembered these things she would do, the egg thing, you know, and, and like mashing cooked potatoes or cooked tomatoes rather on, on my feet when I was like 
had a cold or something, you know? Tomatoes on your feet. Yeah. And do you feel like these mash them all up in there? Do you feel like I mean, like I, I, I don't know. I was, I was really young. You know, I was always like, okay, this is something that is happening to me. I don't understand it, but I will let you do this. <laughs> I love this. Um, <laughs> but no, yeah. So that's actually how I kind of came to it. Um, I, I don't know how I, I don't know what I believe at this point, you know, cause I think that there is, there's certain aspects of it, like, like, the herbs, you know, yerberia is, is the, um, is the practice. That's what it's called when people specialize in herbs. Um, that is, I, it's really, it's true. You know, like you drink a tea with like center root and your bowels just explode. They just go. <laughs> I, right? I want to write down, what was the name of that one? Cause I could use that from time Senna- to time. Senna leaf, I'm pretty sure, is what it is. So with an S E N N A. S E N N A. S E N N A. And oh, mama, does it clear you out? Senna leaf. Okay, I'm gonna look that up because every once in a while, I just gotta. We gotta get the we system moving. We gotta get the system moving. Indeed, we all do. <laughs> Indeed, we all do. Okay, senna leaf root. And then if I have a cold, that's when I rub cooked tomatoes on my feet. I believe so. I haven't gotten to the cooked tomato part of curanderismo yet. Um, I'm I'm still on eggs. Okay. But okay. Yeah. I mean, it, so that's the thing, right? Is that I grew up with this stuff and I didn't know what it means. And honestly, though, this is another thing that's interesting is that like the, the practice of curanderismo is like a really big religious thing too. You know, it's about the tie to the earth and and to all the elements and to the uh, five cardinal directions, right? So they have north, south, east, and west, and then also center, which is you, you know, and and it's it's about your connection to to the earth a lot. But when my grandma did it, that's not what it was about at all, you know. Like for her, because she's Catholic, right? She would never be like, oh, the Mother Earth, you know. So so for her, she was kind of taking the the content right and not not the ideology and that's that's something that's also really common in in mexican families and chicano families is the because you know a lot of us are really catholic it you're not allowed to do these sort of what are viewed as pagan things right but the tradition right and and act and the practice still lives with the families um yeah, so so it's really interesting. I, I don't super know what I believe, but yeah. And that that's also one thing you got to, I mean, look, if you've listened to this mm-hmm. show over the years, you've heard, I have my my <laughs> tangled up relationship with my Catholic, my, my Catholic uh, upbringing. You've heard me dwell oh, yeah. on it. That's one of the things that you got to say, they were really smart about when they set up that religion, right? Which is like, they're going to show up and colonize mm-hmm. somewhere and they'll go, okay, you want to have... You got this, uh, you got this thing where you, you know, it's, oh, you got this late fall festival dedicated to the gods of the dead over here. And uh-huh. that's these Druids. Okay. You know what? We'll just call it All Saints Day and just keep doing what you're doing. But now it's our, it's a Catholic holiday too. But now, but it's ours now. <laughs> yeah, you want to rub an egg? You want to rub an egg on your head? That's fine. Can we, can we somehow merge? Can we? You're we, rubbing for God. Can we be wearing rosary beads while we rub the egg? Okay. If you're down with that, we'll let <laughs> you keep rubbing the egg. Like that, that is, that is one of the, one of the good marketing yeah. schemes. We'll let you keep doing I mean, what and you I think, do. You just have to do what we do. Yeah. Pray to God while you rub the egg, right? Mm-hmm. 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 And our yeah. God. Or we'll kill you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's something that's really interesting about Mexican Catholicism, too, is that we have Guadalupe, right? Um, which is... It, it like basically it's it's like and I don't know super much about it right this is just sort of my my own cultural understanding of it not a scholar um but basically it's like yes we will take your god right we'll take your cat we're we'll take your catholicism but we're bringing in our own vision right we're bringing in our own saint and it's this lady and she looks like us mm. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so, so even then it's, it's, and, and the, the brand of actually Catholicism that is present in Curanderismo is largely frowned upon by the Catholic church, which kind of is validating a little bit. So there's still an effort made to merge it with Catholicism by the people who practice it, but the Catholic church is kind of going, guys, it's getting a little too weird for us. It's a little, let's, yeah. can we scale it back? Can we scale it back? Yep, exactly. That's cool stuff. That's that cool. cool stuff. What a cool way to stay connected to your culture, though, right? I, I feel like I, I think so. Such a smart thing to go, you know, I've always felt some connection to this, some disconnection from it, and to find this specific pathway that allows me to kind of restake my claim in who I am. What a beautiful thing. What a beautiful and smart thing. I wish that I was, I'll tell you what, I wish that I was that smart when I was 18. I wish I was able to (laughs) speak as uh, clearly and coherently as you. When I was 18, oh my God, I couldn't be on the phone talking about uh, mixing a folk religion and Catholicism in a way to reclaim my roots in in a family situation where I feel a little bit on my own between worlds, I would never be able to. You're 18. That's the smartest person I ever talked to. No offense to every other (laughs) caller we've ever had. Yeah. No offense. Great. Yeah. I mean, I, I think a lot of it is, is that I, I did grow up early, you know, and I, and I know that. And a lot of it is, I mean, my dad, obviously he didn't, um, he wasn't okay with me. Um, and I thought he actually kind of would just talk about, he pretended that he was at first until it became clear that my mom was, wasn't going to be the bad guy. Mm. And then he was like, Oh wait, Nope, never mind. No, I'm mm. going to be the bad guy. And um, can yeah. I, can I ask at what, mm-hmm. at what stretch of life did you start to sense that your dad was, was not okay with who you were? That's a tough question to ask. But much like the rest of this call, our caller has beautiful answers. We'll be right back. That's it. Last of the breaks, everybody. Let's finish off the phone call. At what stretch of life did you start to sense that your dad was was not okay with who you were? Well, I I, I came out... I- like in middle school at some point, I mean, he always kind of wasn't okay with who I was just cause I'm kind of, I was kind of weird. I was a weird kid, you know, mm-hmm. and weirdness uh, was not super welcome in, in that family. Um, but basically what happened is I came out in middle school. I came out to him like a whole year later, right? I came out to my friends a lot before then. Then I came out to my family and you know, my mom had a transition period, but she was fine at the end. And then, and then once it became clear that, and my dad, when I would, my dad and I would actually kind of laugh about how she wasn't adapting quickly, you know, we'd be like, ah, she doesn't get it. She doesn't get anything, you know, like, like we would kind of laugh about it together. And then when it became clear that my mom was like, actually, you know what? All right, I get it now. Um, he kind of just switched and we had a really tense time for a really long time. And then um, basically what happened is that one day we were on the way home from my um, family's house from my family, like our, our extended family's house. Um, and we got into an argument about it. Um, and we kind of just came to the mutual decision and conclusion that we didn't work as a parent child relationship like explicitly, like we had that conversation. Um, and uh, he dropped me off at my mom's house. And the next day I walked back to his house to pick up all my stuff and brought it back to my mom's place. And, you know, just to paint this horribly de- like depressing image um, in trash bags, and I carried it back um, and I didn't ask anyone for help and that's I think when I became an adult for me 
because I realized that as long as I was a kid, I couldn't be myself. And you can't fully protect yourself as a kid. And you, it's been shown to you mm-hmm. that you have to do that. Well, I, that's, that's really, what a sad, that's sad, right. sad image with the garbage bags. I'm so sorry that you had to uh, no. deal with that. If, if I ever like uh, write a, write a photo memoir or whatever, the garbage bags, I feel like people are going to feel like, oh, that's a bit heavy handed, you know? <laughs> but yeah (laughs) that's a little on the nose it's a little on the nose it's a little on the nose oh wait i lived it oh wait that wasn't a that wasn't a cinematic moment that was just no i didn't invent that yeah it was really heavy and i had to stop every like 15 feet because i have noodles for arms (laughs) i hate that and again i'm not a religious person but in this show I try to just be a sounding board and, and I try to kind of stay out of the way with my own personal opinions. I, I don't, I, I would say that often I fail that, but I will say this. I can't imagine having, now that I'm a father, I can't imagine having moral or religious objections to whoever my child wants to be. And it's one of the things that I look at it and I go, I get it. Religion has a lot of beautiful sides, but if it can be taken to the point where, where as you can, as you say, you can sit down with a parent and have a mutual decision that you don't mix in each other's lives. Well, at that point, so much more harm than good. Um, and I'm no hero for saying that, but it's just for for anything to trump that connection. It, that means that that thing is is has been taken too far. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah. Thank you. Um, you must've felt so alone in that moment. And I, I, I hate thinking of that level of loneliness and I'm sorry you had to feel it. I really appreciate that. Um, on, on a happier note, I, I actually work for, we, we have been rekindling a relationship, you know, my, my dad and I, and I think it's cause he, realized that I didn't really have to ask him for permission anymore um, in a lot of ways. And I, I, I stopped. It, it's also because I stopped looking for his approval, you know, mm-hmm. and I, so yeah, we have a, we have an okay relationship now. I actually work Good. for him for his business. Wow. Um, I did not expect that yeah, twist. So yeah, I know. Yeah. So it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's been, a whirlwind of a very short life, but um, <laughs> it's it, it, it seems to be looking up. Yeah, I mean, you're only 18 and you've already had um, a rejection from your father, but rebirthed into reacceptance. Yeah. I, 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 for as hard as that was, and I hate to think about any teenager dealing with that, it feels like, well, at least you got that full circle you got that one completed. Yeah, got it out of the age. way, in the bag. And it, well, it's nice because you get to have more of your life with that. Yeah, you, you get to have more of your life on good terms than bad, mathematically. Yeah. Knock on wood that things keep heading in, in the, a positive direction. And that is a good thing. That is a good thing. Some people never get that. And I'm really glad you That's did. True. I'm glad you did. I'm really lucky. I'm a really lucky person. You know, I like it's really easy to focus on the, the negative parts, but I am, I, I am so like, I'm, I'm just lucky, you know, like yeah. I have a lot of people in my life who love me and that's awesome, you know? And, and yeah, it's just, it's, it's, it's really easy to get caught up in this kind of stuff, you know, yeah. but I'm, I'm really happy now in general. So, yeah, I also overall say, good times. I have to say, too, and I'm trying to be very thoughtful, I'm also sitting here thinking, mm-hmm. now that I now that I have a kid, like, what if my son comes to me someday and says, hey, I, I don't think I'm your son. Mm-hmm. I think I'm your daughter. I think I define myself differently. And, you know, try to take a step back and, and think about that experience. And it's, right. I will tell you, too, I feel like I would. Hard to think about. Well, it is only in this sense because I go, I don't, 
there's no part of me that would go, that lifestyle is wrong, but there would be a big part of me that would go, I've, I've read the articles and the articles have included statistics and, and this is a, you're in danger more than other people. Yeah. There's higher depression rates than other people and suicide rates than other oh, yeah. groups of people. And there's more, it, 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 the, the hate is still. It's very real. It's very real. And, and, society is catching up but it's not even in other marginalized groups i think i think you read statistics and go oh this is this is very very real for this community so i think i'd feel a lot of fear mm -hmm. and i wonder do you now that you and your father yeah. have reconciled do you feel like a lot of it was was it his religious background or was any part of it also going i don't know how to protect you and that's making me feel wary yeah i, I think Honestly, I think it was mostly that, you know, he is religious and that he grew up religious and he grew up also in a Mexican household where, you know, in order to survive, they've had to conform for like all of history, basically, right? Or all of their history. Um, so, yeah, there was that presence, but it was also that, of course, he was absolutely terrified. And I 100% know that. And that's that that was the only hold up that was the only hold up for my mom too right like she had a few weeks of mourning you know and of of being scared you know and i know that that is so present and so real and i think that a lot of it was that with him you know i i and we're never ever going to talk about it because we're never ever going to talk about any of this stuff right but um cuz catholics <laughs> well, there's also too a cliche and a stereotype that I don't, I don't think any stereotypes are true. But the cliche is also that there's machismo factors and and a real focus mm -hmm. on manhood. Um, oh I, no, I grew. I that's actually something that's pretty interesting. Um, is that I grew up um, like my my dad and that whole side of the family was trying to raise me as a woman, right? And so I got all the messages of, I mean, like when my grandma, she used to live with us, my dad's the youngest son, right? And so he's kind of the baby of the family. And when she moved out of our house, she sat me down and she was like, all right. So I was 12 years old. She's like, all right. So you are now the woman of the household, right? You have to make your dad's lunch every day, right? You have to make the grocery list he'll he'll get the grocery or he'll pay for it and drive you there but you do the shopping you know you have to do all the dishes like just listing all the chores that women have to do right and now i a 12 year old have to do this for my 30 something year old dad <laughs> right and he didn't hold me to that because he didn't really believe in it as much as she did i don't think um but it was super it was so obvious it was so glaringly obvious um that that's who they were trying to raise me to be you know and it sucked so so now i, I just say sorry a lot i don't like that saying sorry <laughs> a lot. can i ask you here just again I, I and i feel like i keep getting nerdy i got nerdy about soda before but you're talking about hey i'm a huge nerd man let's do it well i was gonna ask do you are you familiar with lucha libre wrestling at all which is the mexican style of a little wrestling? bit a little bit yeah a do little you, bit i'm not super super into it but i'd love to hear you speak about it well because i was gonna add, I, think I think you fun well i think you might really love this because a you've said that okay you're getting in touch with with your Mexican mm -hmm. roots, but also in thinking about who you have, who who you are in life, there's the there's the good guys, right, who are called the technicos, yeah, and there's the bad guys who are called the rudos. But do you know about the exoticos? <laughs> uh, no, or oh oh, you know what? I've heard a little bit about this, but I think I'd put my foot in my mouth. So so exoticos, the exoticos. There's like a. You know, in, in in American pro wrestling, you see the good guys, the bad guys. The Exoticos mm -hmm. occupy this space in Lucha Libre where they are male wrestlers who embrace femininity, wrestle in drag, 
And there's a, a number <laughs> of them who are uh, openly gay. And it started like decades and decades ago. Um, wow. But it's this, it's this. Man, I sort think of, you found the Venn diagram again. <laughs> yeah, it might, it might be something you would really enjoy researching. Because again, between <laughs> current life and cultural heritage, there, there might be a little aspect of it that I, and I don't know much about it. There was a really famous Exotico. Um, and they get really, they get a ton of respect as wrestlers too. That's the other thing. My understanding is it's not, it's not, um, right, they're not a joke. It's not, yeah, it's not a, it's not a comedy act. It's, it's, it's its own, it's kind of its own thing that we don't, that, that an American pro wrestling fan wouldn't have a f full classification for is my understanding. Cassandro, there's a, Cassandro is an exotico, um, who I think has really, done a lot of great stuff in recent years um mm -hmm. but yeah that might be another piece of the venn diagram that might be really interesting to you who knows you might also might watch it and just go this is this is boring who well knows? i gave it a try that sounds super fun yeah yeah who knows who knows <laughs> not not me but we'll find out eh i'll, I'll watch some of that that sounds pretty fun do you, um, Anyways. Mm -hmm. do you spend much time in Mexico? Um, I used, I used to, um, I, I sort of, when I moved out of my dad's place, I, um, I stopped visiting. Um, but when actually, whenever my grandma came over or came to the States from Mexico, my dad would make me come over and like pretend to still be living there a little bit. Um, which was just a fun little show that we would put on every few months. Um, Nothing better for a teenager than having to put on a show. Nothing yeah, better for right. the psychological well-being long-term of a teenager than having to pretend <laughs> that you're in a situation that's not real. Great. Whew. Yep. I'm yeah. glad you got out of that. I'm glad that you got out of that. Yeah, nothing healthier than let's pretend everything's okay. For like a few weeks while your grandma comes in. And then and then and then the thing was that he wouldn't even be there while I was there. He would like show up and then he'd leave. He'd go to work. So I would just be with my grandparents in this house I haven't lived in for a year. <laughs> and and then they would they would lecture me. Right. They're um, like, Where's the can open? And you're like, I I I don't live here. I don't I know. Do, <laughs> I do not I cannot find I do the not know. Here. I'm so sorry. <laughs> It's a weird lie. Yeah, exactly. It's a weird lie for everyone's comfort. And <laughs> it's a yeah, it was really it was really fun and super awesome. And I'm really glad I did it, basically. Um Yeah. Anyways, um, so no, I I don't really go to Mexico that much. I I was thinking about going this year before mm -hmm. everything. I you hope you, I hope you go. And you learn from the masters of Grandurismo and you become yeah, you know what? a practitioner. You know what? I, yeah, man. I mean, the, so where my dad grew up in Mexico is Guernavaca. And there's a, like the main school of Grandurismo in the world is in Guernavaca. So that just seems like something that is made, meant to be. So did you... You're, mm -hmm. Your dad was born in Mexico, in Mexico or the states. Yeah. So your dad grew he was up born in Mexico. Your dad grew up yeah. immersed in this in this culture you're yeah. now studying. So, kind of, kind of, yeah. Right there, saw it around. It was, it was big at least mm -hmm. in the area. Do you, yeah. Do you think that if you if you did get into it and learn how to do it and actually put some time in, do you think that would reconnect you with your dad in some ways that got severed would that would that be a good thing mm. in his mind or just kind of uh neutral he might think that it was kind of weird there's um <laughs> i mean yeah <laughs> there, there's uh, one of the reasons that i've been really liking this is is it's a way for me to connect with my my culture and my roots you know like finding my own roots in a way that i don't have to go through my family right um which is maybe just avoidance but i'll figure that out later um but he yeah there's sort of a culture 
curanderismo gets off easy because it's it's mixed because it's used exclusively for healing right for the most part and it's mm-hmm. mixed with catholicism pretty pretty deeply right um but there is there are still some ideas you know that this is witchcraft right that right. is brujeria right which is another aspect of it um so i don't know what he thinks about curanderos i do not know like i know that they took some of the practices but i don't know what they think about mm-hmm. you know if it's actual witchcraft or something and the you- only evidence i have is that once my my grandma and all my aunts sat me down when I was like 12 and going through like a, a little, a little fun emo phase. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And they were like, Hey, only sad people wear black. If you mm-hmm. wear black, you're not going to have any friends mm-hmm. and no one's ever going to like you. And you're going to be really sad for the rest of your life. Um, so don't wear black, wear this floral, like shirt I got for you at, at freaking old navies or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe they wouldn't be super cool on like the Western idea of which is mm-hmm. <laughs> with the black stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, there's been a lot of writing over the years where people are very confused by how Morrissey has such a fervent Mexican fan base. And I, mm-hmm. feel, I feel like any of those researchers, if they listen to this call, they're just going to go, Oh, well, that's why. Oh, <laughs> that's why. Uh, the idea. What do you that, think the connection is there? I'm curious to think what you well, heard for, to hear what you think. First of all, let me just say I'm aware that in the past few years, in particular, Morrissey has said some really concerning stuff, and it's been a huge turnoff. And I know that I'm a big public Morrissey right. fan, but let me just say I I do know, and I'm not thrilled. But there's been all these people going. Well, there there's like the the tough Mexican image. Why are all these sort of like seemingly tough Mexican men crying in his crowds. And, but then you're explaining in, in such <laughs> so eloquently this idea of this idea of being lost between worlds and lost between old traditions and new and, and kind of borders separating you from being able to feel connected to any culture. And then you listen to this music mm-hmm. where everything is about feeling like you're being forced to conform to a society that you feel like doesn't really have a place for you. So that all that means is that you can kind of hide who you are if you want to fit in or you can rally against that and create your own kind of microculture unto yourself. That's all of his lyrics in the Smiths. That's every Smith's lyric. So yeah, <laughs> I get it now. Man, you're right. I get you're it totally now. You're totally right. Oh man, that's, yeah. I mean, you, you think about like, like you can talk for an hour, right? Like here, you can talk for an hour and think about like, and get just really, really deep in the paint on Mexican conformity, right? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, it starts showing up everywhere. You know, it's like it's like when you just learn a new word, and all of a sudden, it's all you can hear, right? Like, I mean, it, that it's the same thing with curanderismo. Like, suddenly, I'm seeing like herb shops everywhere, right? Mm-hmm. And like, mm-hmm. I'm I'm seeing just all the stuff and. And and the the school in Cuernavaca and and like all this, yeah. I mean, it's stuff is everywhere. If you think about it, basically, is my is my that's my thesis, it's my thesis statement. Now our time is up, and I just want to end by saying that someday, if I'm ever on the West Coast and I fall ill, and no one, no doctor. <laughs> I go to all the traditional, you know, or, or the, the Western doctors and they can't figure it out. And I'm sitting there freaking out, figuring out how I'm going to get home to my family. I hope there's just a gentle knock on the door. And when I open it, you're standing there with an egg in one hand and a big bucket of stewed tomatoes in the other. And you just come in and you, you heal me up. That's what I'm hoping. I'll get you. I'll get you good. Thank you so much. Thank you for calling. What a all fascinating right, one. You. Yeah, man, it's been really fun. I hope you have a good I hope you have a good time. Caller, thank you so much for breaking it down and being so nice and charming and funny and filling me in on so much stuff I didn't know about. Thank you. Thank you to Jared O'Connell. Thank you to Anita Flores, to Shell Shag, to Jordan Allen. You wanna know about me, ChrisGeth.com. If you listen on Apple, hit subscribe, hit follow on Spotify, favorite on Stitcher, really helps helps when you do. 
And if you want our whole back catalog without ads, you can check out stitcherpremium.com stories for more details. Thanks so much for listening.